0: Joining us on the line this evening is Advocate Tembeka Nugai tobi Chair of the Inquiry. A very good evening to you, Advocate, and and thank you for joining us tonight.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Now, Advocate, for for those who may not be following the the proceedings at the moment, what exactly is the Inquiry trying to uncover?
1: All right. So, in the uh, sort of past six months or so, some allegations have come to light, which essentially are in two categories. One is that um, medical practitioners, primarily doctors, and primarily general practitioners, complain that the way medical schemes relate to them manifests what they call racial profiling. In other words, it distinguishes the way black and Indian doctors are treated from their white counterparts. That's the first leg of complaints. The second one is, they say, quite apart from racial profiling, the methodologies that are used by medical schemes are unfair to black practitioners, black medical practitioners. Now, what does this mean, and how does it affect an ordinary member of the public? Typically, most of us are signed up to medical schemes and what you expect is when you go and see a doctor, you don't pay cash. Instead, the doctor sees you, they then ask you to produce your medical uh, aid card, they take your details, and they claim the payments from the scheme, which you pay on a monthly basis. So the scheme effectively serves the same role as an insurance, like when you buy an insurance for a car and you have an accident and you don't pay cash, but the uh, uh, um, service provider will claim from the insurance. Now, that's the primary role of a medical scheme. That expectation that when you are ill, the medical scheme will honor your payment to your service provider is sometimes broken Mm. when the medical scheme refuses to settle the account submitted by the doctor. Now, that immediately has an impact on me as a consumer of the services. How did the allegations of racial profiling come about? Medical schemes say some of the claims that we get are bogus claims; they are fraudulent claims. Either the doctor has not seen the patient, or the doctor has over-serviced the patient, in other words, spent more, uh, claimed for more hours than actually spent, or alternatively claimed for the wrong procedure, which is more expensive than the real procedure, or sometimes has done what is called upcoding which is you claim for a particular form of procedure, which is of a lesser amount and sort of a higher amount, when in fact the procedure actually performed is for another amount. And for those doctors who are dispensing, you claim for a panado, but you've actually dispensed a discipline. The doctors say that form of false claiming costs the industry, per in the region, I mean, sorry, not the doctors, the medical schemes, they say that form of false conduct by medical practitioners costs the industry in the region of 22 to 28 billion rands per annum. And so in order to protect the rest of the members of the scheme from fraudulent conduct, they must stop those payments from being uh, honored and they must recoup all the monies that have already been spent So that's the dynamic. So on the one hand, medical schemes are saying we have to curb fraud, waste and abuse. Doctors on the other side are saying the way that you are doing it is unfairly discriminatory because you are presuming that it is only black and Indian doctors that are fraudulent and you are not investigating white doctors.
0: Surely, advocate, there are statistics uh, that the medical scheme, you know, investigation units have um, have compiled, as far as bogus claims are concerned, as far as upcoding and all the other various issues that they claim uh, are, are are cancer within the industry. When you look at those statistics, what are they saying?
1: The statistics are incomplete. The reason they are incomplete is twofold. Firstly, medical uh, schemes say they do not keep uh, statistics on a racial basis. Their statistics are neutral. And when they investigate, they do it by reference to a practice code. And the practice code does not tell you the race of the practitioner. On the other hand, the statistics that have been presented to our inquiry this week came from the Health Professions Council of South Africa, which is responsible for the discipline of medical practitioners. Those statistics are also inconclusive at this stage. But what they showed was, uh, uh, when they they appeared yesterday, what those statistics showed is that the complaints, the the majority of complaints for misconduct against medical practitioners, the majority of them are targeted at white doctors when they are lodged by ordinary members of the public. But when they are lodged by medical schemes in particular, they showed statistics for May and June. And those numbers were quite disturbing because for May and June alone of 2019, the total number of complaints against white doctors were 11, against African, 5, against Indian, 5. Those came from members of the public. But when it came to complaints lodged by medical schemes, the number quickly changed. It was 25 complaints against black doctors, and only one complaint against a white doctor. So if you look at those figures alone, which are a very, very, very limited sample, because you're talking about like 30,000 total claims per annum, but if you look at those numbers alone, you can get the prima facie or preliminary impression that there is
0: racial profiling. What I'd like us us to do, Advocate, we're going to go for a quick break and just continue breaking down the numbers after this. It is Metro FM Talk Exactly 751. We'll be back after this break. It is exactly 7.53 on Metro FM Talk. Our focus today in business wrap is the, the fact that black and Indian doctors have detailed how they were bullied by medical aid schemes who queried their claims and refused to pay. We are in conversation with advocate Timbeka Mugaitobi. And before the break, advocate, you were breaking down the numbers. And, and basically showing that complaints coming from the public uh, were higher for white people, but when they were investigated, uh, or rather when investigations had to take place uh, from the, the schemes themselves, more were found from black people.
1: Yes, precisely. Now, the problem with those statistics, that is, so if you took only that sample, the case would be very strong but there is on a preliminary basis, reading racial profiling. The problem with those statistics, and they were shown yesterday on SABC in the news, but the problem is that they are shown without context because what they don't take into account is that it is a very limited sample. Just, I mean, Discovery has said in some of its uh, public statements that they process in the region of 35,000 claims per annum, and I think there's something like 3,500 that are suspected cases of fraud. Now, we don't have yet those statistics that will tell us how many people have been put on a blacklist. And the word blacklist actually comes, it's used by the schemes themselves. I think it's, it's Med or Gems that uses the term blacklist. So what we still need to get is a proper grasp of the entire statistics of blacklisted doctors. In the past, uh, three years or so, um, which is, uh, the inquiry itself looks right up to 2012. But to make a meaningful assessment of the statistics, we need a bigger data and a longer period uh, in order to give an informed assessment. But so far, what we have heard this week is medical association after medical association making the same complaint, including the uh, regulatory bodies, making the same complaint that There is a widespread abuse of the system on the part of the medical schemes because the way they implement the law is unfair. And it is experienced, even if the intention is not to discriminate, it is experienced as being unfairly discriminatory on racial grounds. Now, uh, Tammy, we have not yet listened to medical schemes. We have not heard what their version is. We will be hearing from them in September. We will be hearing from Discovery, we will be hearing from GEMS, Med Scheme, Bonitas, PolMed, the list goes on. So they can explain from their perspective what methodology do they use to investigate, what modalities do they apply in order to recover the amounts that they are able to recover, why fraud is a threat not only to the schemes but to members as a whole, and what do they say to the allegations of racial profiling.
0: Now, Advocate, when we look at the, the, the type of skirmish that is happening between medical aid schemes as well as um, you know, the, the, the practitioners themselves, obviously disadvantageous towards uh, general practitioners. But how does an environment of this nature affect the, the, the end user patients like you and I? It's a
1: major, major, major uh, impact on, on, on patients. So let's take a typical scenario. There is a provision in the act, in the medical schemes, Act called Section 59. It imposes a duty on a medical scheme to honor an account within 30 days upon presentation. Often medical schemes will pay that account without any questions. And afterwards, if it turns out that the account contains irregular information, they will try and recoup. When they recoup, assuming the accounts were paid, and they are now trying to recoup at a later stage, and the doctor submits another invoice unrelated to the first one, they will refuse to honor the later invoices on the basis that they are investigating previous invoices. Immediately, that has an impact on the end user, because it means if you cannot pay cash to your doctor, you are not going to get a service, unless the scheme pays you the money directly. Now, many people and many doctors say, if a consumer is paid the money directly by the scheme, they are very unlikely to take that money and give it to a doctor. They would rather spend the money on something else because they are already financially squeezed because the amount of money that is taken by medical, uh, medical schemes from their monthly salary is huge. And so that is the first impact, is when you are told take the money from the scheme, pay it directly from, to a doctor. The second impact is that some of the medical schemes will tell a patient that you are no longer Allowed to use Dr. X because that doctor has been blocked. That immediately places a huge strain because now you must find another doctor. Often these doctors live close by, they live in the same township, in the same neighborhood. And once that doctor is blocked, it might mean
0: you must now find a doctor elsewhere mm-hmm. and and also uh, about that advocate oftentimes you know you build a relationship with with your doctor they they know your medical history and, and there's a certain level of trust and comfort um, that's built over a period of years but as we prepare to wrap up this evening you did mention that come september the medical schemes will have an opportunity to present their case to you at the inquiry but how long will the hearings be taking place for and when can we expect a report from from you.
1: According to the current timetable, we are supposed to be taking oral testimonies from the public. We began this week. We are closing tomorrow. We will start again in, uh, towards the end of August, continuing in September. And we've set aside October to write our report. At the beginning of November, we are hoping to finalize the report. But let me make this clear at this point in time so that we don't raise uh, uh, expectations. On what has happened this week alone, we have probably doubled the amount of work that we expected. So it's unlikely that we will produce our report at the beginning of November as planned. Probably we will need an extra month or two. So by January 2020, I think our report will be ready.
0: And as far as the enforceability of uh, the report and, and the recommendations that will come out of it?
1: So our recommendations will be made primarily to the Council for Medical Schemes, which is the body responsible to implement the Medical Schemes Act. But what we are also hoping to do is to give the report to the medical schemes themselves so that they can take a deep and a critical look at their own practices so they don't have to be compelled by law, and they can voluntarily change their own practices if in our report we discover that there was something wrong with their practices. We are also hoping to give our report to the Minister of Health so that he can decide whether the problems are systemic and structural and can be resolved by an amendment to the law. So the primary body that will be given our report is the Council for Medical Schemes. It has all of the legal tools to enforce the recommendations that we come up with.
0: And we'll leave it at that for tonight, Advocate. We thank you so much for your time. And, and do rest. You're always in court, always writing books and now chairing inquiries. <laughs> thank thank you, you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, sir. That's Advocate Tembeka be the chair of the inquiry. And that wraps up our business wrap for tonight. In a minute or so, we'll have under the microscope women entrepreneurship in South Africa, as well as the power of social entrepreneurship.